G'day everybody and welcome to the Drive Able podcast where we discuss all things about driving and safer community transport for people with disabilities and medical conditions. If you haven't done so yet, make sure you go back and listen. This was a uh, special three-part series where we met Nick and discussed in those episodes uh, his driving history, his journey and how what process he went through to end up with driving with high-end space drive controls, uh, joystick controls, uh, but we also um, learnt what diversities he has to face living with his disabilities. Uh, Nick really opens up and discusses his story. It's a really heart-to-heart discussion and we get to feel what it's like for him to go through life with his disability. Yeah, that was that was one awesome episode. That was great. Uh, so yeah, definitely go back and tune into that. And good day, everybody. This is episode sixteen, and we have another wonderful episode again uh, with an exciting interview. In this episode, we speak to Peter Simmons, who is definitely very old school. And this one will be an interesting chat because um, uh, I've had a little bit of a chat offline with him, and it'll be very interesting, particularly for today's day and age. He was around way before the NDIS days. Um, and now he's a user of the NDIS and he's also had a number of conversions have to come together and converters come together to get the conversions done to him with a final solution. So it's going to be really interesting to unpack. Um, he's got a great story and a great attitude and I can't wait to kick off this interview. So Brad, are you ready for it? Yeah, mate, I'm ready. I, I'm really intrigued to find out what the difference between the old, the old way and the new way is. Yeah, that's it. Let's get into it. Driving is something many take for granted, but when someone has altered ability, then driving or getting out and about in your own car can be challenging. Driving with a disability doesn't mean you have to drive an old clapped out car with farm-like machinery, and relying on a wheelchair doesn't mean waiting for hours and then being in the back of a maxi access cab, getting car sick. The Drivable podcast is designed to introduce and explore driving aids for people with disabilities, vehicle modifications, the NDIS, research, medical guidelines, driving techniques, and much, much more. The Drivable podcast is to help you be informed and be in control of your own independence so you can experience freedom through driving safely and reliably. I'm Ali, and with me is Brad, and together we have over 30 years of experience in disability and driving. Enough of the intros, let's get into it. Okay, in this episode, we are here talking with Peter Simmons. Thank you for joining us. Um, want to just kind of kick off with a little bit of an introduction to telling us a little bit about your disability, what it actually is, what you can do, um, what you can't, uh, what you've been told, I guess, and what products you've got in the vehicle. Yeah. So, so kick off, let us know. Yeah. Uh, okay. So where do you want me to start? Um, I guess uh, let's let's talk about what um, what the disability is. Um, and is it like progressing? Is it, is it something that's changed over time? Okay. Um, well, I had my accident when I was 15. Yep. Uh, and I'm 65 now. So what kind of accident was that? Oh, I broke my neck at C5-6. Yeah. Quadriplegic. I'm yep. complete. I'm complete. And that's, uh, I haven't got uh, finger movement or uh, I haven't got triceps. I've got biceps. Um. But as you can imagine, um, I was only 15. I'd never driven a car before, uh, well, legally, that is. Um, and uh, yeah, I, um, I went, I had my accident. Um, originally, I went to St. Vincent's Hospital in Sydney. And then um, a few days later, I was transferred to Royal North Shore Spinal, mm-hmm. which at the time, it's a lot different to what it is now. Um, when I had the accident, it was um, we had a place called the old railway cottages, and that um, at uh, Royal North Shore Hospital. So it was a an experience for a young fifteen year old. Yeah, mm. but the nurses were lovely, so that's what I liked. So and what that, was but, the um, um, what was the the? So how did you have the accident? Was a car accident? No, no, I uh, went over playing silly buggers. I went over a high jump the wrong way. Oh, just mucking around, actually, like on a yeah. bike or something. No, no, no. It just um, it was a. Uh, I just dived over the. I had a big mat on the other side and everything, but I just uh, just dived over and my neck came down and my head came down on the mat the wrong way. Oh wow! So like kind of gymnastics stuff. I was at um, 
I was at the Sydney Cricket Ground actually when it happened. Mm -hmm. I was there for long distance running in the afternoon, but it was lunchtime and boys being boys wanted to go out in the field and have a little bit of a play. Okay. But um, yeah, so uh, it was the one experience. <laughs> yeah. And, then, and what was the uh, old railway cottages? What was that all about? What did you do there? Uh, well, you didn't have individual wards and that, uh, like rooms, I should say. You had one big ward uh, for the um, for the ones that have only just had their accidents. Um, and um, yeah, and there was only one one bathroom and uh, one shower and, and all that uh, toilet in the whole ward. Um, I think it, I think from memory, there was about uh, 10 patients, 10 to 12 patients in the one ward. And can you, um, can you uh, remember was, your, can you remember oh, your thoughts at that time when you were first there? Like, what did that feel like waking? Well, I'm, I don't know if you woke up or not, but do you remember those first thoughts of, you know, what's, what's my life going to be like when you were admitted? Yeah, to Yeah, well, you know, like being 15, uh, um, it was a whole new experience, of course, and that. Um, but uh, the doctors were very good. The doctors did explain to me that um, I'd be lucky to walk again, which um, they were spot on there. But being 15, I, I can still remember saying to my mates that used to come down to me mostly every day um, that, um, you know, uh, how are they going to stop me from getting up and walking again? But uh, reality set in after... Uh, I was in track in traction for uh, six weeks, mm. and that and finally got into a started to get into a manual chair at um, up just after six weeks, and um, yeah, it was uh, <laughs> it was the experience. I said I said to the nurse and the OT at the time, I'm going to push to the end of the end of the ward on my first day, and she said, I don't think you'll be doing that. Well, I did, <laughs> but I didn't make it back. Let me tell you, and that, and that, uh, yeah. So, um, uh, and I was the youngest one there at the time, and that. Uh, so it was a, and I was there for um, three months, three months at uh, Royal North Shore, and then I went to a place called Mount Wilga Rehabilitation Centre, oh, yeah. which I, I think now is a is a private hospital. Um, and that was a massive experience up there, and that, I used to go home on the weekends. And that my mum used to come and pick me up, and and um, we we uh, travelled back to Penrith where I live, and uh, yeah, that was a one hell of a go. And then Mount Wilbur was very good in some yeah. respects. It, it was um, it's it was built on a side of well, not side of a hill, but uh, there was a lot of pushing, and um, it gave me a lot of strength up there pushing up hills and that because um, of being a five, six quadriplegic, um, you're limited to your arm movement. But um, I stayed in a manual chair until I was um, only up to about three years ago. Okay. And what, and what led to the change three years ago? Well, simple. Um, I've got torn rotator cuffs. Mm -hmm. I've got torn biceps. Mm -hmm. um, my wife, um, I've been married for um, just over 40 years. Um, we, um, we used to always transfer into the car by, um, into a sedan that is, um, by a sliding board. Mm -hmm. And um, there was no, you know, my wife's approaching 70 now, always 70. And I'm, as I said, I'm 65. And it was just too much of a burden on both my wife's shoulders and my shoulders. And, um, we were limiting ourselves, you know, probably in the last, I'd say, two to three years of doing that, of going out, and that mm -hmm. because it was so hard, you know, to uh, transfer. So um, the NDLS came in, mm -hmm. and um, there was an opportunity there to, because I'd driven all my life, well, since I was 17, um, I, uh, I applied for... Um, well, I purchased the van mm -hmm. and applied for um, the uh, the alterations for that to happen. 
and that's an experience as, as Ali would know. Um, <laughs> they put the hand controls in the vehicle. Yeah. But uh, there was only two places that um, I wanted something that I didn't, I could, but well, I was totally independent. And that, um, which uh, I bought a um, B-Dub Caravelle mm -hmm. and um, had to ship it down to Victoria. There's only two places in Australia at the time that did the conversions that, that um, I required. And one was Freedom Motors at St. Mary's, which you could say was a lot closer to uh, to Victoria. And then, um, you're, in, but, you're in Sydney, Peter? Is that right? Yeah, I'm in Sydney. And, yeah. and Freedom are in St. Mary's in... in yeah, Canada. which is only about 10 kilometres from where I live. Yeah, but, but, but you chose to go to Melbourne to get your car converted? Well, what it was, was Freedom... Uh, their quotes were about $30,000 more mm -hmm. than what um, they could do in uh, in, in Melbourne. Or okay. And that, so I, uh, NDIS come to the party and that uh, they were very good, actually. Um, I got, you know, I take my hat off to uh, the NDIS. Um, I think I had to pass, I had to pass all the criteria for it and that, mm -hmm. which, you know, I did because I'd driven all my life, you know, since I was 17. And that, so that was a, you know, and we loved getting around. I wanted to keep my independence. Yeah. All that. Yeah. So previously you drove with hand controls. Is that? Yeah, always hand controls. Yeah. yeah. What, kind, How of did hand, you, what yeah. kind of hand controls did you have back in the day when you were 17? What yeah. kind of hand controls were your first style and have they changed over the last uh whatever it is 50 years of driving and, and well, before can i just interject before you get into that can you let us know how you got those hand controls those first ones how you came across them <laughs> i designed them myself oh really yeah. <laughs> designed them yourself yeah i designed them myself and that um i'd seen a little bit similar um because <laughs> up in mount Wilga, um they had one uh disabled vehicle mm. And it was an old 69 Holden and it only had, um, it had no power steering Yeah, yeah. and it had push pull. Sorry. No, it had push down for brake yep. and the accelerator of a motorbike for mm -hmm. the control. And of course I couldn't use that. And that's, uh, they tried to put me in that once and um, I got nowhere with it. Mm -hmm. I thought, oh, hello, I'm never going to get my license. And then uh, at the time, because um, we're talking here uh, 47 years ago, uh, there was a place called Paraquad Engineering and they had an OT there that specialised in um, teaching people to drive, quadriplegics in particular. And um, they had an old uh, Valiant station wagon and it had uh, power hand controls, uh, which were very light and, and it was uh, pulled down for accelerator and push up for braking. And, that, and that's the lady I, I first met, I, I just forget her name now, but uh, she was a lovely lady. She came up to Mount Wilga and um, I had three lessons. And believe it or not, I went from a, my uh, road test, my license test in, um, in Rosebury and passed after three. I even had to drive all the way into Rosebury from Mount Wilga up at Hornsby and um, passed it within three, three lessons and uh, got my license. Oh, that's good work. And so that, that, was your, that was your first type of hand controls were these electric ones that you designed yourself? No, no, no. <laughs> what happened I, after that? Uh, I wanted something that was, um, you push down forward for brake mm -hmm. and down to my leg for acceleration. Yep. That. And um, I got onto an engineer um, who, hadn't hadn't made them before but um he uh, he said he could do it and uh, he took some time to do it but he did do it and um and uh, i always remember the place where i bought my car the first time <laughs> i hadn't paid for it yet but they gave it to me for the fellow to, to do the alterations but the and he had it for about two weeks and they were getting a bit toey, uh, as in, um, are we ever going to see this car again? But uh, to their credit, they um, they didn't uh, say we want the car back. 
straight away. Um, and he made the hand controls and fed them. And, and lo and behold, that's what I've been. I had them for um, two years. Mm-hmm. And then Paraquat Engineering um, brought these ones in from America. I just forget what they were called. but um, uh, And they were exactly the same system that I had. Okay. And that only a, a lot more, um, they looked a lot more stylish. And that, um, and I used them all ever since. Is that the only thing I did do to them? I, I, I got my uh, engineer to uh, create a, uh, a U, a U at the end of them. So mm-hmm. my, my wrist went into it. Mm-hmm. Not my wrist, my, uh, my palm on my hand yep. went into the, uh, the U shape. So it didn't fall off. It didn't fall off. Yeah. Yep. And that, um, and then that way, and I used those same hand controls right up to um, the 1990s. Okay. So is that like a push pat system, like a radial type? Yeah, that's it, Ali. Yeah. So it sounds like you might have been one of the first ones to kind of invent that for the Australian people by the sound. Well, it it only went as far as me and that um, uh, Paraquat Engineering um, or the place in America actually um, invented them and that... um, but, but you yeah. instigated it coming into Australia, so there's a lot. Well, of I don't know to about that, but um, <laughs> I did. Uh, I did the sign at, at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty interesting though that you, um, what you, I guess, had home designed is already like it's out there. You know what I mean? So it's yeah, like, yeah. You kind of had that intuition. Did yeah. you? So um, also, uh, one of the things I was interested in. Um, were you keen to sort of drive? Um, oh like, yeah. Because yeah. so, it sounds like from the couple of things that you've said, you're a bit of a natural on the road and you do enjoy kind of being behind the wheel. Is that the case? Uh, it, it, I love it. I love it. It's, it's to- well, it gives you total independence. Yeah. And that's what we need, you know. Yeah. yeah. That, um, we're so, being a, being a quad, you're, you're so limited to what you can do. Mm-hmm. And that, um, but, you know, if you can get any independence when we're driving, I recommend it to anyone. Yeah. And what they do these days, you know, you, you, I suppose you don't even have to have a steering wheel. You can drive a, a vehicle without a steering wheel, even. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was the last ones that we, the last episodes that we spoke to actually it was Nick Tiago before you. Um, and yeah, that's that he drives with these um, sort of little joystick and um, yeah. it's some really, really high tech stuff, you know? So yeah. it's, um, it's, yeah. it's, it's basically like uh, the reason why he was able to do so well with it is because he's always been gaming on his computer. Um, oh, okay. And then, and then he couldn't actually drive with hand controls, and then he got into this thing with a joystick, like a computer, and he drove it like a champion, you know, because it was yeah. exactly like yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, it's, it's a, some pretty interesting stuff. And um, and I guess on that note, um, pre, because what we've noticed post NDIS, obviously there's more markets, so bigger, a lot of options. Pre NDIS, money and options, um, like how did you? come up with the money for it as well mm. you just self-funding and well well the the hand controls weren't that expensive that i created in the first place yeah and, okay. um, and um and i think the most i as i said to you i kept the once i got the american version i kept them for years into the 90s and that um, i first got my my license when i was 70s in 1973 or 74 i think it was and that um um, so I had those other controls for about 20 years and that until I changed them and that until I got a, a better version, well, an updated version, I should say. Can I, can I ask a question there? There's a really important point there. Um, you would have had to have gone for a car that was automatic and yes. power steering. Yes. Both of those would have been hard to come across in, in 1970. Three or in 1973, uh, mm. yeah, the, the, I had to. It had to be a bigger car. Mm-hmm. Couldn't be a small car, and that. Um, and uh, both Holden and um, and and Ford um, had had the power steering. Yep. But just the same, it was limited back then. And yeah. That, yeah. Um, to a lot of other vehicles. And uh, maybe a bit more like a bench seat, was it, or did you have a bucket seat to sit in? No, I had a bench seat to start. Yeah. Off yeah. With. How did you go controlling yourself on a bench seat going around the corners? Uh, 
That's why I had a um, a full harness. Okay. Rigged up. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Full harness. Yep. And that's done. And then eventually I went for the bench seat. And that, um, sorry, the uh, bucket seat. The bucket seat. Yep. And that, which is better. Um, and now um, and now with the electric wheelchair yep. Drive that I've been in for the last two years. We, before you uh, moved into the van, how long did you have your car, the, the car before the van, how long had you had that? And how um, many Ks had it done? Oh, well, I, my first car I purchased in 73. Mm-hmm. I only had for about three years. Mm-hmm. And then I bought an updated, um, I went to a, a Ford V8. Mm-hmm. And then I had that for uh, about six years. Mm-hmm. Then I had a Commodore station wagon for uh, about uh, eight years. Yep. Then I went to a, a Mazda MX-6 um, and I had that for about uh, three or four years. And then I, okay. eventually I went and bought a little Honda Civic and then I had that for about seven years, I think. And then I bought a... Um, a Galant. So I've gone through quite a few cars yeah, over the years. Yeah. Sound like a bit of a car enthusiast. And each time you've um you've bought those cars, have you moved the same hand controls over or have you bought new ones? I used the same hand controls for probably about 20 years. Right. Okay. And then um, um I'm just trying to think. Uh, could even be longer. Mm-hmm. Than that. And then I I did get another version of it. Um in uh, 2000 when I bought my uh, Subaru. Yeah, okay. And that, um, and used them for another um, 18 years. Yeah, right. So the setup that you have now, um, is that all the stuff that you got set up through NDIS? Yes. And that that's the first kind of use of NDIS that you had for a vehicle, is that right? Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. So how was, I guess, I'm interested to know, um, how you found that the process mm. of going through, I guess, because in the past, well, we know, we know, and our listeners, a lot of them would know with NDIS or everyone in the, the country nowadays, having the topic being the main topic of the, the day in this industry is that there is a whole process you have to go through OTs, yeah. um, you know, assessments, car assessments, modifiers, all of this stuff. Everyone has to have their two cents. Yeah. And, um, how did you feel about that process? Because I'm guessing pre-NDIS, you probably had none of that stuff um, or it might've been very different. Well, I got onto a, a brilliant OT, um, Beth, her name is, um, uh, uh, and she was brilliant. She lived at, she came from Schofield's area, Kellyville area. And I was put onto her by um, a better rehab. And um, she advised, she did a whole spread of the you know all the criteria for NDIS um, I went to a place at um, active mobility at Silverwater and tested out what chair electric chair I needed mm-hmm. um, and I, I got one that um, it's a, a I think it's, a, it's called a TA TA1 I think it is and uh, it, TAI and it goes up it also lifts the chair the mm-hmm. seat of the chair up also, uh, you can tilt back, um, forward, whatever. Um, and uh, I needed that for when I get in the position behind the steering wheel mm-hmm. um, to raise the seat up um, for, uh, for driving as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, uh, Beth was fantastic. And also um, Kate, Kate Green, her name was, um, from, Active, uh, from uh, uh, Better Rehab. Mm-hmm. She advised about the chair, so all those people, um, both the o- both the OTs were great. Yeah, and were they the first ones? Like, how did you come across those OTs? Um, I'm just trying to think. I had to contact a, an OT to start the process, so I contacted Better Rehab, and then they put me on to Beth. Yeah. At, um, yeah, and that was the advice of the NDIS giving you that to contact. No, 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 no. Um, I knew I had to go through that process because mm-hmm. there's quite a bit of criteria to to meet uh, their requirements, and so um, I went through. Uh, as I said, I contacted Better Rehab, mm-hmm. and um, they put me on to Beth. 
So comparing that to prior to the NDIS, what's the biggest differences? Um, well, you wanted something done, you did it yourself. Mm -hmm. and that, um, um, so it was totally independent of, of any type of funding. And that's so, um, but with the NDIS, um, even though, you know, they came good with me and that, uh, but the NDIS, I must admit, uh, they'd lost my records when I applied for, um, to join the NDIS, they lost my records about three times. Yeah. Big organisation, what can you do? Sorry? The big organisation doesn't seem like they're uh, very well connected internally. Maybe. Well, yeah, but I can't, look, Ali, I can't complain. At the end of the day, they came up with the funding yeah. and that for, for the, uh, and it's made a massive big difference in our lives, you know. I was going to say, um, Peter, your, do you think if NDIS didn't come into fruition um, and you were struggling with your transfers in and out of the driver's seat with yeah. the sideboard, where do you think you would be now if the NDIS wasn't around for funding such significant vehicle modifications? Oh, we would hardly ever go out, um, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's not just a matter of going out. Um, you, you transfer into the car. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, our choices would have been, well, we just go for a drive somewhere and, that, and probably don't get out when we get to the other end and stuff yeah. like that. Um, a lot of my friends, uh, you know, our, our family or, or friends, they would assist my wife to get me to get me out of the car and put me back into the car. Mm -hmm. um, but it wasn't, you know, we couldn't really do our own thing, as to as to speak. And that we're now, um, that's the situation we would have been in, mm -hmm. and that uh, and would have continued to be. You know, it would have just got worse and worse. Yeah. Um, uh, but now it's it's brilliant. Yeah. You're completely independent now? Yeah, completely independent. Yeah. yeah, and that's the bit that, um, you know, we're trying to portray here is that there's there's teething issues. I mean, it's still young in its infancy, NDIS yeah. really. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, if we think about Medicare, Medicare has been around for years and years and years. I wasn't around when Medicare first started, but I'm sure there was some teething issues when that first started um and centrelink and all those type of things it's it's yeah. a work in progress but this story just shows what a difference it can make so we're really thankful um for your for your sharing this um your yeah story. well look i'd like to put it out there you know if anyone wants to um try and get their license on that and have the funding through the ndis and that um, well go for it don't don't hold back yeah yeah what about what about um when you I guess went through the NDIS OT process? Um, how did you find that? I guess because you, you, you um the the reason why I'm asking this is previous to that you said you kind of had to make up your own ideas and came up with your own kind of like you know do it much more on your own. Did you find that when you then have have to go through those OTs? Did they tell you anything you didn't know about yourself or vice versa? Good question. Um, I want to hear the answer to this one. You've been an independent man and now you've got somebody else coming in to, to give you advice. Yeah. Um, and was that advice good or not? Uh, just all depends. And that um, I... Uh, look, uh, I don't have a great deal of time for OT. Sorry, Brad. Now that look, that's what we're here for. I can yeah. take it. I'll cross uh, my arms well, and tune out for a little bit. A like. lot of them are so textbook. You know, they learn it, learn everything in a book, and that uh, just a you know a quick little story. Once uh, I had an OT come out, and um, I was just uh, it was about uh, I was in my manual chair at the time, and it was about changing wheels. And uh, he said, "Oh, you better go inside and go up in the hoist, and so the back wheels could be changed." I said, come on. I, I just pulled myself up on one, on two wheels on one side. And I said, now just click it in, take the old ones off and click the new ones in, and the same on the other side. He said, oh, and like, there's a fellow in his 30s. Um, and he said, I've never seen that done before. I said, get around, get a life. Mm. You know, it's just ridiculous. And the, it's so textbook, and, um, and they can be very patronizing at times. 
He actually said to me when he came to us and met my wife and I the first time, he said, oh, I've been sworn at and I've been told to get out of the house before. And we said, oh, you seem a lovely person. I can't see that ever crossing our forts. Well, <laughs> he was okay. He, he was a nice guy. But uh, I certainly did feel like uh, there's the door at times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we get we know that we've got some OTs listening to this. So, um, you know, if there's anything to learn um, for for the OTs as well, we we encourage people to speak truthfully. And and um, yeah, look, you you know yourself. This is the message that we've learnt through this podcast series: is um, you know yourself better than anybody else. And OTs need to really take that on board, and and they don't need to know everything. That's it's about finding the best solution for your needs. And it's yeah, and it's not a matter of um, not a matter of um, what the, like I take myself back to when I was fifteen when I first had the accident. You know, they wanted to put Palmer bands on your hands and that so you could feed yourself and stuff like that. And I thought, well, you know, you, it's funny. I know I'm disabled, but I don't class myself as disabled. I want to be classed as normal as normal life as possible. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've always wanted. And um, so I don't, I've never used a Palmer band. I, I worked out that you could put a fork or spoon through your fingers mm-hmm. and, and eat that way. And, that, and I've always eaten that way. And that uh, I'm limited. I can't cut my food up. Even with a Palmer band, you couldn't do it. And that, um, so uh, that's, I'm limited in that respect. But there's many a thing that, you know, yes, they might um, say, well, we've developed this for you. And that, but to me, that's just putting a, uh, a label on you saying that you're disabled. And that um, I'd like to try to um, think outside the square sometimes and that and not go for all the technology. And that, uh, like, even our house, um, I've only got, um, a, you know, I use a hoist these days, and that uh, we're my wife and I for 47 years never had a a ceiling hoist or a manual hoist. We all did it our own way. We had our own system and it worked well for all those years. Mm-hmm. It's only that in later life, you know, wear and tear on the joints. And the OT would say to you, yes, well, if you didn't, if you had overhead hoists and, and all that, um, all those years ago, you'd be a lot fitter and, and all that. Well, you know, yeah, yes, but, um, you know, we'd be a lot more um, ref- uh, confined to what we could do. I love that, Peter. That's exactly what I was going to uh, ask you next. And you've hit it um, on the head straight away. There, you're right. OTs, uh, in my um, knowledge of the area, would try to um, protect your shoulders um, yeah. for the long term because yeah. you've got to use them at this age, 65 and onwards now, um, yeah. for the rest of your life as well. So we... I know that I present that, um, you know, having a hoist to lift stuff in and out of the car versus doing a manual transfer or lifting a wheelchair across your body into the front passenger seat. They, they will over the long term wreck your rotators cuffs. But like you've mentioned, the trade-off is significant. Um, Injury versus independence is, is a significant thing yeah. to contemplate and it's not as easy yeah. as let's avoid everything uh let's avoid all injuries as much as we possibly can because there's other things that need to be considered oh yeah yeah and also i think also the on a daily basis the experience that you have in life is also very important like you said you totally, Ellie. totally. You, you you've got 47 years of memories that are not as you just said you're as as minimally disabled as possible in your mind you know what i mean yeah. whereas if you've got 47 years of memories of you know bands and all this kind of stuff yeah those memories are going to be of a life of somebody that you know struggled and was disabled whereas you've got a much more positive memory and and so what you're taking with you forward um is i think it's something that can't be put down on a assessment sheet if that makes sense no totally look if you if you think yourself as disabled you are disabled yeah if you don't think yourself disabled you you know you get on with life you know look 
it hasn't always been good. But um, you know, look, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it as far as um, you know, my wife and I, what we've done over the years, and that um, you know, uh, if anything, it's a, it's just a shame probably NDIS didn't kick in, you know, ten years ago. And yeah. That, um, yeah. And that, you know, unfortunately, we are limited now to um, to travel uh, around Australia and holidaying type thing. Yeah. But I find that the, the, the hardest part these days is is finding places with ceiling hoists, mm-hmm. and that the, the manual hoists are good, but they're very they're very um, taxing still yeah. mm-hmm. on um, on your shoulder um, on your carer's shoulders and that, yeah. um, like. We, we've traveled to um, on the spirit of Tasmania um, to Tasmania um, twice, um, both times in um, a manual chair, and that um, and I petitioned the the uh, the TT lines it was uh, that uh, that run the uh, spirit of Tasmania to put a ceiling hoist in one of their disabled rooms, and uh, their attitude was. Um, uh, wouldn't be enough people to use it. Mm. That was their attitude. And I said, for the sake of about $5,000, geez, I said, um, I even went to, um, I, I asked the uh, Tasmanian government if they would back it. And that, uh, and they even said, uh, oh, we'll, we'll get onto the TT lines and see if they'll come to good, come good with it. And no, I even spoke to uh, Paraquad Tasmania and uh, they applied to uh, the TT lines and that, but no good. And that, uh, so if you're listening, TT lines get a bloody uh, yeah, placed on your ship, mate. You yeah, know. that's exactly right. You're you know, together. especially in these days. Yeah. And would you believe in in New South Wales? I think there's only about um, no. I think uh, virtually Victoria and New South Wales. There's only about uh, six places that have got overhead ceiling hoists. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. The other thing is also cruising. Um, from what I understand, is a, is one of the mo- most popular, if not the most popular, um, holidays for disabled people because of the accessibility. Um, was was probably up to COVID. Yeah, 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 up to COVID, yeah. <laughs> But but the point is, is you know, like uh, I I'd challenge that they would have people using that stuff a lot um, because yeah. there's a lot of disabled people always on those boats. You know, yeah, exactly right. It's 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 a common kind of a place uh, where you can go and get a good holiday without without too much accessibility drama so yeah uh, true true uh, it's uh, it's it's very very common so yeah okay that's pretty good i mean um maybe we can start wrapping it up the one last thing i might oh, uh, just sort of um talk a little bit about is the um just about the car and that yes. process so you said you got it done at automobility and then um you you had to get hand controls as well so yeah, what was back up to you ellie yeah yeah so what was the situation there where um, you had to go to one and then the other. Like, why was it that one company did, did those guys not offer those hand controls? Um, what was this? They had different hand controls from memory. Yeah. Okay. And, um, and you guys, you guys could get the ones that I wanted. I think is it the R? Um, oh. Oh, the, the radial, the one that you. The listening. radial, yeah. E radial, E radial hand controls for people that are listening to this. There are there are different um, brands out there. Um, yeah. but it sounds like, do you, do you have push buttons for your indicators and bits and pieces like that? No, um, the boys over at, um, uh, at, uh, mobility, what is it? Yeah, What's yeah. it called? Mobility engineering. Mobility engineering. That's it, Alec. As if I could forget that. Yeah. Um, they, they were fantastic over there and that, uh, yeah. So, so how a, do you, how do you put your indicators on Peter? Uh, just, a just a little switch. Mm-hmm. Right near me, accelerator. Okay. I'll just flick it up and down. Yep. For your left and right indicators. Yep. 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 Righto. So that's an e radial hand control. So for people listening to this and they're wondering what e radial is like, the best way that I explain it, it's, it's like your horizontal um, door handle. So like opening the bathroom door to get into the into the toilet. Um, yeah, li- literally push the yeah. handle down yeah. in, in a yeah. semicircle type of action. And that's yeah. your accelerator. Yeah. And then it, it flicks back up to horizontal again. And then you push the whole thing forward for your braking. For your brake, yeah. Yeah. And I also, you... I had them put a, um, uh, I had, a, had them put a, um, 
like a uh, like a little bar mm-hmm. that goes goes on top of the accelerator, mm-hmm. but so that my hand fits in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I'm going around a, a say a, a right hand corner, mm-hmm. I can I can pull back, I can twist my wrist a little bit. Yeah, and it just helps me um, a bit more stable in the going around a around uh, the corner. right hand corner, and that by pulling back a bit. How do you find being in a wheelchair driving compared to? Um... It's it's so much easier. Oh really? The bloody chairs that that comfortable. It's not funny. Yeah. Okay. And that um, it really is. And that, do, you, um, do you have lateral sides on your wheelchair? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. So that helps stabilize yeah, your body around. Yeah. Well. Yeah. It does. Yeah. So for OTs prescribing wheelchairs uh, that are going yeah. to be driven from, those lateral supports can be really vital yeah. uh, for cornering. I think it's a mantra um, support yep. system that's hooked up to the electric wheelchair. Yeah, you've got to have that. Otherwise, you'd, you'd slip around too much. Yeah, yeah. And, and just, uh, do you use a harness as well? You mentioned a harness. No, no I got rid of that years yeah, ago. Yeah, so the seatbelt and those lateral supports keep you yeah, safe. Yeah, that's all you, that's all you need. Yeah. And then I've got the, um, the headrest on the, on the chair mm-hmm. and that as well. And that... Um, no, that's all you need. And turning corners, Peter, do you do that with a spinner knob of some sort or do you use yeah, your got, hand? Or uh, Again, I got it from um, Ali's establishment. Um, it's a, I used to always just have one where you just fit your, your, hand, your, hand, your palm and your hand in. Mm-hmm. And that, um, but nowadays I've got one where you've got the, it's a, Ali might be able to help me out here. You've got the around round section cylinder Yep. You put your palm of your hand in that, yeah, and and the and then you've got your um your uh, your gap where your where, where your fingers go in. Yeah, oh, yeah. What, so what I think what's that, Alan? Uh, it's basically just like a kind of attachment that you can put onto the spinner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they so work. For, that well, works brilliant. I don't know. I think that might be called a trident. Um, yeah, I think you're right there. I think it is a trident. Um, but there's there's like in that respect, um. I always tell people that attachment can almost be infinitely customized because you, yeah, you, can. you um, there is so many different variations of that there on the is. market. And then, um, and on top of that, you can basically muck around with them with a bit of fabrication and to suit somebody anyway. Yeah, so, it, um, and it's movable too. You can adjust it. And um, uh, I found that gave me more strength doing it that way than just the, the one that you put your, your, your palm in your hand in. Yeah. yeah. Does, it stab- does it does it stabilise your wrist a bit better to get a yeah, bit more does. strength? Yeah, it does. Gives you yeah. more strength. Yeah. So Definitely. we we there's multiple versions of that. We um there's multiple tri spins is commonly what it's kind of known as. Two pins that go around your wrist and, and one that kind of sits yeah. in your palm. So you get so you get a little bit more stability through your wrist. Yeah. 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 So. You so that's how you actually make the car move. We've talked about your indicator, we've talked about accelerating and braking and steering. Yeah, so getting into that driving position, you've got your power wheelchair now. How yeah. do which we get this question all the time? You go up a ramp, I'm assuming, yeah, at the to back. get into the car in the back. That's the question I wanted to ask. Yeah. Do you come in through the back or through the side? And I'm back sure you back. had to contemplate that with Beth, your OT, about which type of entry you were going to do. Why did you choose the back versus side door entry? Uh, well, with the back, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a, with the VW Caravelle, you've got, it's a, it's a nine-seater. Mm-hmm. And, that, and because the automobility in Victoria do, um, they drop the, the whole vehicle, um, the whole floor, uh, about two and a half inches, yep. and that um, the floor of the vehicle. Um, um, so that when you go, when I go up the back, and they made a little seat, a, a, a bench seat at the back as well. So it goes from a nine seater to a five seater, including the um, person driving, mm-hmm. and that um, plus the, the the front seats are all. You can move them around. Interchangeable, that, yeah. Interchangeable, yeah. Yep. And that, um, um, and uh, so I'd never looked at the version that that you go in the side. 
I always thought it was best at the back as well. Mm-hmm. And that um, and that was what was recommended to me. Mm-hmm. That, uh, and the vehicle that they brought out to show me at the time, mm-hmm. you, you had uh, rear access to it. That, yep. um, that's, that's the way I went. And the boot automatically opens and shuts with a press of a button? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then you drive up the ramp through this two uh, through the middle of the rear wheels, yeah, and then yep. over to the right to drive into the driving position. How do you lock yourself into position? Um, I've got a um, uh, the um, what do you call it? A docking system. A docking system, a docking yep. plate, and a pin Dock. that's uh, yep. underneath your wheelchair. Yeah. Yeah, underneath the wheelchair. Yeah. But, uh, so when I'm locked in there, I just uh, put my seatbelt on. And off I go. Yeah, okay. Sounds now, does, you, does your wife ever get to drive now? Never. Never. <laughs> has she ever driven or has it always been your job? I've always driven, yeah. Yep. yep. But she's only driven once when um, the car broke down once and I had to get some repairs done to it. And um, I got in the, and she drove the car home mm-hmm. and she said, never again. Never again. <laughs> So, um, how she probably said the same. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) How's she appreciating the new car? Oh, look, wonderful. And that absolutely, and that it's been a godsend. It really has, and that um, it's just made our life so much more independent. And um, uh, especially at our time in life, and I, I hope I can continue driving for for Yonks. Yeah, 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 sounds good. Great way to finish it up, I reckon. Ellie, what do you yeah, think? That is, yeah, that is. Uh, it's it's really good. So let's wrap it up with our uh, final famous question. Um, we know that cars are more than getting from A to B. So, what is something that you use your car for? Something that you've done with your car that would be unusual, legally or what? Doesn't matter. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not sure you can be held accountable for something uh, in the past. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it, we'll leave it up to you. Yeah. <laughs> when I was younger I was so stupid and that um, I have driven driven the vehicle um, intoxicated and that uh, talk about being paralytic at times and that um, but, we, don't, uh, we don't endorse that everybody no yeah I think and, it, and whilst with hand controls yeah with hand controls wow that's yeah. Yeah. Wow. but I pride myself on one thing I've never had an accident Oh well, wow, that's really cool. forty-seven years of uh, driving. I've never had an accident. Yeah, uh, that's amazing. But um, and in all honesty, the the vehicle now and, and that I drive from the electric wheelchair, it is so much easier to drive, and that from the electric wheelchair, it's just not not funny. Yeah, and that, uh, it's brilliant. I recommend it to everyone. I really do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but now, uh, um, other than that, um, uh, I, I've only had one. One other mate that I kept in touch with, um, uh, uh, who, who was a paraplegic, and um, just uh, one day we went to Dubbo, and that we drove out to Dubbo, which is about five hours away from where we did, and um, we didn't tell our our wives that um, we were going to stay the night. We stayed the night, and that. Uh, and uh, when we got home the next day, let me tell you, we weren't very, <laughs> we didn't get a very good reception. <laughs> Why not? Let, we just wanted to be independent. Yeah. yeah. Again, being independent. Yeah. And yeah. that, uh, so that's what, it, that's one of the things we used our cars for, and yeah. that to, to stay independent as much as possible. That's yeah. awesome. That's good awesome. on you, Peter. Thanks very much. All right, Peter. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, thanks, Sally. And if I can, if it's, uh, if this, you know, at least it's one other person, the inspiration to get out there and get their license and get, get mobile. Uh, well, it's been a, a, been a good thing. Uh, Peter, you've been doing it for, for 50 years and um, you've been through uh, multiple different um, cars and hand controls and, and now with a, with a, a high-end van with, with wheelchair access, a lowered floor, hand controls. I really thank you for um, sharing your journey with us. If there's a way that people want to reach out to you, is there a way that they could do that to, to ask you questions and, and figure out what you've done? Yeah, look, um, I can give you my... Um, I'm quite happy for them to ring me. Yep. And that, um, right. I may not always be able to get back to them straight away. 
All they can do is if they want, they can contact us and we can put them in touch. Yeah, Ali, that sounds great. You got my number, obviously. And that, uh, if I can ever be of any further assistance to you, and that, and that, uh, please uh, contact me. No worries. Yeah. Uh, Good on you, Peter. And uh, yeah, so if you need to reach Peter, make sure that you get in contact with us through uh, the Drive Able podcast and we'll put you in contact with Peter. Um, I think that's about it. So as we say in every episode, if you've got any queries about what you can do or what will work with for you, make sure that you get in contact with the local OT or mobility dealer and set yourself up with a trial. As we say in every episode, trials really do put you in the driver's seat. So thanks very much, Peter. And uh, we really appreciate it. Just one comment, Brad, before you go. And that is um, there's OTs and there's OTs. Not all OTs... um, our experience with the with the driving side of things and that Beth, oh, I just at um, yep, we have rehab on road. I think yeah. it's called Beth, Beth, Beth Chill. Chill. Yep, she's very well known in the industry. Yeah, and that um, she's a, she specialises in that and yeah. like and that. Uh, so guys, don't give up. Just you just got to ask the right questions and get get referred on to the right people. Yeah, no problems for sure. Great tips. Okay. Thanks very much, Peter. Thanks, Peter. Thanks a lot, guys. Cheers. Have a good All one. The best. Thank you very much for your time. Bye. for listening to the Drive Able podcast with Brad Williams and Ali Akbarian. If you like what you've heard, make sure you like, rate and subscribe. It really does make a massive difference. If you or anyone you know would like to share a story about driving with a disability or you would like to get in contact, find the show notes or find the resources mentioned in this episode, you can find us on Facebook. Just search at Drive Able Podcast for more information. 